Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Butler Running Show. Show for runners and soon-to-be runners from around the world as we talk all things running. The Butler Running Show is hosted by Couple on the Run, Sue and Andrew O'Brien, and proudly brought to you by PartnerRunning.com and the Partner Runner Magazine. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Partner Running Show on the 28th or 27th of April 2015, no matter where you may be in the world. Uh, I'm Andrew O'Brien and I'm here in the Partner Running Studio with my wonderful co-host Sue. And on today's uh, show, something a little bit different, we're going to celebrate uh, by me interviewing Sue about her 100th marathon, which she ran last weekend. How are you going, Sue? I'm going very well. Mm-hmm. Big celebratory week for you, just run your hundredth marathon. Yes, it was. Uh, it, it was a bit of a surprise. One of those surprise parties that uh, you hear about. People have no idea, and you think, how could they not know? But uh, I was in in that group of people that did not know there was a big surprise party planned for me. Well, there you go. There you go. And it exactly. worked well. It's not every day that you come across somebody who's run a hundred marathon. So I'm going to interview you, which will be something a little bit different. <laughs> and um, have you as a guest on the show, and we're going to hear all about your journey to 100 marathons. Uh, big week of running and lots of lots of news, lots of uh, some of the big events that people always look forward to since we sort of Boston, London, those sorts of things. So mm. lots to um, lots to talk about, and we probably should just get straight into it. Would you say? Yes, we'll uh, have a look over the shoulder. Over the shoulder, a quick review of last weekend's running. Well, London Marathon sort of dominated the news over the weekend, apart from the event out of Brimbank Park. The uh, London Marathon, the Virgin Money London Marathon, 38,000 participants in this event, the biggest ever of the London Marathon, with uh, an estimated three-quarters of a million spectators checking out runners as they went past. Um, the winner, Eliud Kipchoge, in two hours and four minutes, just short of the course record, and Ethiopian Tikist Tufa uh, winning the women's event in 2.23, but overshadowed in the British press anyway by Paula Radcliffe running her last um, marathon in the public eye. At age 41, she managed a time of two hours and 36 minutes, which is pretty damn quick. Um, there was she'd sort of said she'd hardly been training, and there were estimates that she was gone out too fast, and people were commenting along the way. But she managed to bring it home pretty well, I thought anyway. But London Marathon is sure it's one of the world marathon majors, and the focus is somewhat on the elite. But generally, the focus to a lot of the crazy, wonderful competitors that participate in this event that makes it one of the most colourful in the world. Huge amount of charity runners, fancy dress runners, and just as a little indication of some of the world records that were set, and people do try and set world records at this London event, there were records broken for the fastest marathon ever run by someone dressed as Sonic the Hedgehog. There was the fastest marathon ever run by a mythical creature as someone ran as a leprechaun. There was the fastest marathon ever run by someone in a cricket uniform. There was the fastest marathon ever run by anyone carrying a 20-pound pack. 
there was the fastest marathon ever run by two runners connected as one individual character as they ran as a camel um, the list goes on if you can think of something weird and wonderful you may get in the Guinness Book of Records and be quite welcome at the London Marathon so it's a bit of a carnival atmosphere lots of celebrities out and about and that's one of the other uh, factors I suppose with this event New York and London seem to attract the greatest number of celebrities but one I thought that did catch well, caught my eye and I thought was worth mentioning Jensen Button the Formula One racing car driver from the UK set a personal best in this event two hours and 52 minutes and that's pretty slick for a world a previous world champion and an elite athlete in to have the ability to run at that pace as well so I thought that was really quite notable uh, so London Marathon overwhelmingly captured the media's attention and focus but some other big events in the US um, the Oklahoma City Marathon with 25,500 runners participating in that event interestingly some firefighters in dressed in uniform supported and walked a female competitor across the line holding her arms and supporting her across they said that she didn't deserve to be eliminated that she was basically moving under her own steam they were just supporting her but again you know that whole question of aiding a runner when they shouldn't be continuing on now I suppose if I was going to be supported across the line a team of firefighters trained in emergency services would not be a bad bad way to go either but uh, that's something um, that just maybe needs to be looked at what, what is assistance what is non-assistance now I know Big Sur was on the, the weekend as well yes. but I didn't get any news about Big Sur so if you've got some data about that I mean, one of the most beautiful events to run too of course uh, as it winds its way around the ocean um, in California but just absolutely um, beautiful event but I didn't capture any uh, any stories about that one often won by locals because I don't think they put it up a huge amount of prize money even though it is obviously one of the prestigious events it's more its beauty, of course, not um, well-known names yeah, no, that chase the money. I think it's uh, it's just a stunning, stunning scenery, stunning event, and and for some people, it's the, uh, the, the, there's a bit of attraction with the Boston and Big Sur double. Mm -hmm. um, but as we often, I mean, I, I think I, I do go on about it a bit. The uh, Great Ocean Road in Australia, the two oceans in South Africa. And the, the the big sur on the California coast are just three gems of races, and so. Yeah. So some other big races on the weekend. We had the New Jersey Marathon that had over eleven thousand competitors. Calgary Half Marathon attracted a huge crowd. Glass City. Um, the winner of the event, Peter Chibet from Kenya, but the female runner was a local, and her name was Samantha Blusky. She took a wrong turn, went the, went the wrong way. Now, this is a recurring pattern in events that runners do go the wrong way. Sometimes they're the leaders and sometimes they're somewhere in the field. And we've witnessed it in the event we participated in the weekend. Some people sort of oh, went the wrong way or I missed a turn and all of that sort of thing. I suppose it does happen. Um, in this particular instance, the golf cart sort of uh, chased her down and directed her back onto the course. And she was a local as well. So in terms of knowing the course and checking out your course and knowing where you're going, um, maybe trail marathons a little bit more challenging than road races. But I don't know. It was just a, another 
incident of someone getting lost on the course and having to get directed back. Now, a topic that's coming up for discussion a little bit on social media and definitely in the news is about transfers of entries. Um, some marathons do allow you to transfer and Pittsburgh Marathon that's coming up or has just been is one of those that does allow runners to transfer their entries to other runners. And as late as three days before the event, I mean, you need to pay an admin fee, but you can actually transfer your event entry to somebody else. Now, the data shows that about 15% of runners that enter, let's use Marathon as the example, need to cancel due to illness, um, family matters, um, also injury, all sorts of other issues. Now, most of them have a no option of transferring or refunding your money, particularly if it gets close to the line of the race date. And particularly with the six marathon majors, those big events, Chicago, Boston, New York, etc., there is absolutely no transfer available, no refund available. You can potentially transfer your membership, uh, your entry to a subsequent year, as in the case of New York and Chicago, uh, but you do have to pay an admin fee. Now, Boston allow nothing to that event and uh, one of the race organisers was commented to say this isn't a Broadway show you uh, you have entered and it's for an athletic event you've got to turn up um, New York Marathon is actually starting to look at an insurance policy option for runners that enter and that will allow refunds so if you pay a subsequent $10 on top of your entry fee then you've got basically an insurance policy so if you need to cancel for whatever reason you'll get a full refund of your entry but when you think about a lot of these events particularly the majors you're basically entering 12 months in advance a lot of the case a lot of the times so much can happen in our lives over that period of time transfers probably a headache for the uh, administrators but maybe it's not either the fact that Pittsburgh can do it and they say well it's just merely a little bit of ad, admin and having the right systems in place. So something to bear in mind. Um, I think it's a it's fundamentally a business decision, and um, it's a bit like over overbooking on airplanes. Uh, many of these big races allow. It's, that's where their profit is. That's where that's where mm, they, and that's they, what they're saying. That's they, their profit is the no shows. They focus on the no shows, and if everybody turned up, they'd be in all sorts of strife. Yeah. Um, so, as in any. Uh, market where somebody's got that sort of a, a fat so to speak in the system then a competitor can look at that and say well you know I'm going to undercut I'm going to I'm going to find a way around that I'm going to give myself an advantage and so these races where they say well you can transfer at the last minute or you can do all these sorts of things it, it's it's for some people that will be great mm. value and there will be a reason why they'll do that yeah. race well for, for others and we've always had the view that you know you pays your money you take your chances and that's showbiz, mm. um, and it's only it only really comes into play when it's like, oh, you know, it's cost. I've paid five, six thousand dollars in advance for, you know, airfares and cheaper hotels and tours or something to go internationally. That that becomes the real issue rather than you know, the hundred, hundred or hundred fifty dollars mm. for the actual. Well, I think a lot of race, race directors, um, and we've mentioned a few events over the past where um, there's been the illegal transfer. Yes. And that's where the issue lies, that uh, in an instance just recently someone actually won the event 
while racing with somebody else's bib. And then it starts to go into age groups as well. If you're a 50-year-old man and you transfer your entry to a 25-year-old man just you know, yeah, yeah. underhandedly and they win the event, then you know that's wrong as well. So they've had a couple of illegal options that have caused them to start to look at, well, how can we make this legal? And maybe that is a case of uh, the current running sort of increase in popularity and a lot of new people that maybe some of the sort of uh, old school um, running ethics uh, the way you sort of you're brought up uh, I think for, for many people that have you know, been running probably for 15 or 20 years 20 years ago it's no way in the world you would Give mm. someone else your bib or swap bibs. You just mm. hang on. It's just not the done thing. There's no way. And then nowadays, we people, what's the big deal? It's like I can't do it. Who wants my yeah? My who bib? wants my bib? And, and how many times ha- do we see that? Some people have it to give it away. Oh look, I can't use it. So I've paid somebody who may also use it, um, like a theatre seat. Yep. Uh, and other people are like, well, I can't go. So now I'm going to get my money back. And so it's a, it's a, to- it's a different kind of mindset, different different uh, mm. set of values, maybe different. Approach. Yep, and you get those people that say, well, I couldn't get into X event because it's sold out, so I'm just going to run as a bandit. So yes. there's lots of different... So, yeah, uh, just an interesting discussion and, uh, you know, I'm sure it's one of those race director brainstorming yes. meetings that's a topic of discussion. Um, now, probably the other thing we're, just, we're going to mention, and we might talk a bit more about this next week, was an interesting uh, research report that we saw during the week that came out, and a couple of little introductory facts and figures the um, somehow they worked out the average world's average finishing times for marathons, which was the fastest country. What do you think would be the fastest country? Well, I would have said uh, something like Kenya, because <laughs> um, I thought the sample might be quite small. But I've got a comment about the loading of that. Now I have a feeling, we're, we're, and we're going to have a look at this a bit more next week or the week after in terms of the research methodology mm. and things because Kenyan doesn't stop there but they've, they've come up with the, uh, the fastest country is Spain with 3.55.35 or um, yeah so that's interesting overall they're saying that the uh, average finish time for the marathon is 4 hours 21.21 4.13.23 for men and 4.42.33 for women um, with Spain and Portugal as the fastest two countries Australia coming in there at 4.20 so just under the average. Interestingly, UK uh, 432, US 429, and the Philippines are showing up as the slowest on there. Yeah, record. I think that was interesting. But there is one comment that about that Spain Portugal data. Do you want me to save it for next week? I think so. I... Yes. Okay. And right. there's a little bit of highlights just of some of the, the info there. Um, growth in popularity, they're saying from 2009 to 2014 up 13.25%, a whopping 92.43% in Asia, clearly coming off yeah. a low base. USA up 13.9%, Europe up 103 Um So... Australia's in the positive. In terms of the... Uh, growth. Yes, mm. yeah. So that, that's kind of interesting. And last but not least, just for a little snippet, gender distribution. And this I find particularly interesting, but not in some ways surprising. They're saying worldwide, 29.76% of marathon runners are women. So call it 30%, 70% men, 30% women. Now, we, from our experience in running, there are some countries where you go, oh, what the heck's going on here? It's nearly all men. Yes. And we're kind of, uh, I suppose, unique that most of our running is in Australia the US, New Zealand, uh, UK to a, to a lesser degree. And so 
in the US, they're saying that overall 54%, 54 54.8% women are men, 45.15 women. New Zealand, 56 men, 43 women. Uh, Canada, kind of similar. Australia, I'm a bit surprised over here, they're saying 64% men, 35.8 women. two-thirds to one-third yeah. almost. Now, mm. I, I suspect uh, that in the big races, you have a lot more women, and so you, you think it may be sort of, sort of the 50-50 march. You do notice, though, I think, in some of the um, smaller country, regional-type events, that it's it's probably a lot more men than women. Yes. Yeah. So yes. interesting. We're going to have, have a bit more of a look mm. at that next week. Well, we better keep moving along, so let's get into our next segment. Ask Sue. Do you have a question you'd like answered? Why not send us a message, a tweet, or post your question on the Partner Running Facebook page. Take it away, Sue. Andrew and I run a lot of marathons and there are quite a a few people that were participating on the weekends event at Brimback Park that also run a lot of marathons. And one of the the questions that I was asked on the weekend as um, I ran my 100th marathon was, we run so many marathons, do you ever set out to run a PB or to run your fastest marathon that you could possibly do and how do you do a fast marathon from a fairly new runner who was trying to work out how she could achieve a PB how she goes about pacing herself for her fastest possible marathon and it did sort of get me thinking about well how do you set out to run a PB for your marathon particularly well let's take out of the equation that you're running a lot of marathons because if it is a multiple marathon strategy as part of your running then you're not really going all out or you're not putting all of your eggs in one basket you're trying to divide the energy that you have into lots of different baskets to keep running but say you were trying to put everything on the line and actually run the fastest marathon you could how would you go about doing that Well, there are a couple of factors that come into play first. And one of them is that you are really building up for this as your A event. So your fitness is at top level. You're going to be able to execute your race strategy perfectly on the course that you've chosen. So therefore, it needs to be a course that is going to be friendly to you, so fairly flat, lots of long straight sections. Um, Also that the weather is going to be favourable. No good planning to do this um, in a place or a country that is going to have 30 degrees Celsius on race day or up into the high 80s Fahrenheit. So you want cool conditions. And I suppose also you need some luck to have this perfect storm come into being that you're not um, suffering any viruses, that you're not recovering from illness, that you have no niggling injuries. So let's put that all into place. Everything is perfect to go. So what do we need to do to think about getting our perfect race in place? Now we need to think about how we're going to put our pacing strategy in to being. So we can, there are three different tactics that we can take for our pacing strategy. Three good approaches not saying that that one's sort of much better for you than the other, but there are three main well-known pacing strategies. 
or good approaches. The first one's to try and run even splits, and that means running every kilometre at the same pace. This helps you avoid going too fast too soon, particularly in a marathon where often the crowd will start fast or you find yourself amongst faster runners that drag you along faster than you've either trained for or ever run before. It also makes you be a little bit more conservative at the start of your event when you've got lots of energy and you're feeling good. So we usually have trained at a certain rate or we've got a rough idea of what we think we're going to run and it makes us accountable to the clock. So you really do find yourself watching the clock and it does stop us going out at that pace that's too fast to sustain or impossible to sustain for the entire event. Now the second strategy that some people employ is that they do go quite fast at the start. This is called a positive split where you go out fast but you know that you're going to, to slow down in the second half of the race but you want to try and go a little bit faster than you've ever gone before to break through that personal best barrier. It's going to be painful, it may be too painful for you to sustain, but you're going to throw out that conservative approach and you're going to try something different. To take this approach you really do need to be confident that you're in peak form, that everything is perfect for you and you're just going to try and go maybe a little bit faster, um, five seconds per kilometre even faster than you think you can sustain and just see what your body can do. This is much better strategy for shorter races and being a 10k runner in a past life this was uh, quite often the way I approached a 10k when I was trying to do something out of the ordinary. Now the last one is to, the third strategy, pacing strategy, is to try and run negative split, a negative split and that means that you try and run the second half faster than you've run the first. So you start quite slowly, ease yourself into the race, get yourself really warmed up and then try and push harder in the second half of the event. Um, and this is a really good strategy if you always find that you're slowing down in the second half by a large margin and you're running out of energy. Maybe trying this reverse strategy of starting slower and trying to bring it home faster. Um, this is a, a good mental strategy as well, particularly if you do feel often like you're dying in the second half, to try and swap that around and have more energy hopefully at the end of an event. Now these three are pacing strategies. So they're going to be lots of very different race strategies depending on the course, if you've got hills, if it is a hot day, all of that sort of thing. But just given um, everything perfect, these are three different strategies. Now with a lot of marathon runners, it takes quite a few tries to get this working for you. So maybe the first marathon you run, it's all about just making the finish and uh, finding out about what you know about yourself. The second one, maybe you go a little bit quicker, you start to get a hang of things and by the third marathon that you run, maybe you're starting to get an idea of what your body is capable of doing. Now most elite runners do run a positive split and in fact data has shown that most 
or the winners of marathon events and a high proportion of runners in the top 100 will actually run a positive split. But it's the margin between those positive splits that is the crucial factor. And what we want to have is not too big a margin if you are running a positive split. So ideally not more than 15, 20 minutes difference um, between your first half and your second half of your marathon. Supposedly there is a scientific background to this that our body has a little bit of a safety mechanism and the brain possesses something that stops um, our bodies from getting into the danger zone and drops back the intensity into a safe level for us so that we don't overheat our core temperature, so we don't uh, get into complete muscle shutdown and fatigue. Obviously, there are events where people collapse that they go beyond that, but there's usually some other factor at play, whether there's an underlying virus, a heart issue, whatever. But generally, we all have a genetic limit that we can't go beyond with our personal best in events. And it's a matter of training our bodies to get better at overcoming the lactic acid buildup in our muscles, the brain mechanism that says that perhaps we should slow down. And it does take quite a few events. So don't expect to, well, you will set a PB on your first marathon, but don't expect to get the perfect race in plan for you until you've had a couple of attempts and worked out a proper pacing strategy suitable for you. That was the Ask Sue segment of the Partner Running Show. If you have a question for Sue, please post it on the Partner Running Facebook page or email us at radio at partnerrunning.com. every day that somebody runs their 100th marathon and when we say 100th marathon we're talking specifically about uh, those marathons which I think meet the sort of uh, widely accepted criteria of uh, being open to the public having I think it's three or five or ten or more uh, participants um, being 42.19 or whatever the exact measurement is there or thereabouts so not 43 or 44 or 45, not an ultra marathon, but a specific marathon. So yes, not not every day that somebody runs 100 of those. And we're very lucky that uh, my beautiful co-host Sue ran your 100th marathon at the Brimbank, Brimbank Park Marathon uh, a couple of days ago. And so we thought we might I might actually interview you about your journey towards 100. So there you go. There you go. So first of all, just, just to start us off, um, tell us about your 100th marathon. Oh, look, a lot of... What happened? What happened? A lot of fun. (laughs) It was at the Brimbank Park Running Festival, which is, I suppose you'd say, in Keelor in um, Victoria, in Australia. Not one of the largest marathons in Australia, but not one of the smallest either. There were quite a few participants there, and as part of a running festival, there was a 50-kilometre event as well and some shorter distances too. So, But in terms of the big picture of marathon events around Australia. It was a really intimate setting to do it and a very enjoyable run. And I think that there were quite a few other participants there that had run over 100 marathons and run their 100th marathon in amongst tens of thousands of other people. And perhaps that 
they hadn't enjoyed it as much or maybe they had from a personal level but I couldn't have asked for a more enjoyable way to celebrate 100 than surrounded by friends and with a race director that acknowledged my achievement or our achievement running together uh, as opposed to getting lost in the crowd of thousands of other runners um, and I would really recommend anyone approaching their 100th marathon or a milestone marathon to do it amongst friends in an intimate atmosphere. Yes, I think making it, making it, well, working out what's going to be special for you is, is certainly important. And and so Brett, uh, Brett Saxon and Trails Plus just did a, uh, I think they were genuinely thrilled that it's not every day that somebody runs 100 and certainly not every day that somebody runs 100 marathons at one of their events. So they kind of did go out of their way to get people involved and make it a memorable, memorable day um, a bit of a celebration of running, um, recognising your achievement, but running in general. So it had a great feel to it. So yeah. Just just quickly before we get on with it, what were uh, from go to oh, I suppose what are the things that, that uh, Brett and his team did to help you celebrate the hundred? I had a my father played football for the Essendon Football Club, which whose colours were red and black. So the theme was kind of red and black, which is somewhat appropriate for the weekend as well. It's Anzac weekend, which is traditionally a football match as well as the recognition of the service men and women um, between two football teams and one of them being Essendon. So there was a little bit of Essendon vibe happening. So red and black banner to run through as the footballers would at the start of the match. And then at the finish of the match, a, a banner, or finish of the run, a banner to run through at the finish with the recognition of the, the 100 marathons but also a cartoon picture of my father who was captain of that football club to come through in red and black theme uh, we also had a wonderful cake beautiful chocolate mud cake with 100 marathon celebration a plaque outlining each of the hundred each of the marathons up to 100 and then uh, unbelievably a generous gift from Garmin of a, a Garmin Phoenix 2 yep. GPS watch. And probably worth noting that the uh, Brimbank Park is actually one of the areas that we sort of ran through. It was, was kind of set very close to Essendon, so it, it, it really did fit with the whole theme. It was, it was kind of a nice connection for you. Yes, oh, very emotional. And as I said, particularly when you are a guest at a surprise party and you really have no idea this is coming. Um, so many friends from the running community, some come from Wollongong, from Adelaide, um, just, yeah. And of course, uh, you had the bib which said 100th. I did. Which was very red nice. red and black, yes, like a little uh, Essendon football guernsey. And uh, I think the other thing which I noticed was the number of runners who celebrated you know, they get the lining up and cheering you off at the start, but also along the course, lots of acknowledgement and, you know, well done, Sue, and congratulations and that sort of thing. And then, of course, people lining up to see you cross the line at the end. So yeah. it was great. Lots of comments about uh, you, how, how well you spoke. People enjoyed your speech, uh, which was which, which was nice. And um, we had a couple of uh, new friends from, from Italy who were out here as tourists, so we didn't realise we offered to give them a lift because they didn't have a car, and, and they got to enjoy the day as well so it was, it was very all round it, it was a wonderful day, day. yes okay was. so that, that's that's the uh, the doing of the hundred but there's uh, a lot more to do I suppose the last thing to say I suppose because a few people had asked uh, they gave me a bit which said 99th mm. uh, and the context of the 99 was 99 with you uh, as opposed to 
99 full stop. So, yes, so we should know. acknowledge that you've already passed 100 yeah, miles, I, I, I wasn't, but... wasn't uh, particularly interested in my 100, but uh, that was a few. So we've done 99 together, so our next, our next marathon together will be our 100th marathon together. And, of course, yes. last year we did... Uh, we went through the 100 barrier for marathons and ultras, ultras. which was kind of special. Yeah. But this is specifically marathons. So now before we get on and talk about your, your 100 marathons, um, you are regularly on the Partner Running Show put our guests to <laughs> Partner Running Dash. So today, it's, your chickens have come home to roost, as they say, Ooh. and it's your turn. You are in the starting line for the Partner Running Dash. Are you ready? I'm ready. I hope I am because I've, I've never You've never done this. <laughs> okay. First question. Pre-run snack. Toast and banana. Preferred exercise drink? Any electrolyte drink. Favourite running shoes? Asics Keanos. Favourite running socks? In Gingy. Shorts or tights? Shorts. Cap or not? Cap. How long have you been running? All my life. Watch apps or naked? Ooh, about to become uh, apps. I prefer you naked. Oh. <laughs> um, GPS or heart rate monitor? Well, about to become GPS. Training diary or not? No. Favourite event? Oh, comrades. Favourite run training activity? Long, slow. Prefer alone or with a partner? With a partner. Music or silent? Silent. Longest run? 300 kilometres. How many times do you run per week? Three to four. What is your favourite cross-training activity? Indoor cycle. Not horizontal jogging? No. <laughs> do you acknowledge other runners? Uh, try to. Next event? <laughs> I had to think, don't know. Next event. Help. <laughs> End of May. Oh, co oh, comrades. Sorry, I was thinking of the 100th marathon. Running goal. Uh, get through Mount Fuji, Ultra Trail Mount Fuji. Do you Facebook, tweet or blog your running? Facebook. Why do you run? Sense of personal satisfaction. Love it. Favourite running song? Haven't got one. Favourite running book? Couple on the run. Post run treat? Ginger beer and potato crisps. Run inspiration? My gorgeous partner, Andrew. What a nice answer. <laughs> okay, well, what do we to say? Sue, thank you very much for doing the partner running. I can't dash. believe I forgot my next event. <laughs> I was just, I was trying to think whether it was Great Ocean Road Marathon, whether it was, you know, what we were doing. We were a bit undecided, but the next big event is Comrades. That's your excuse, and you are sticking to I'm it. I'm sticking to it. Okay, let's go back to your um, journey to 100 marathons. Uh, yep. When did you complete your first marathon? Tell us the story of that one. Oh, complete is the word. Um, in October in 2000, um, that was the first marathon that I completed and um, it sort of tied into the fact that I'd participated in two marathons prior to that and not completed either. It was a sense of uh, just... I couldn't believe I was actually going to cross the line and get across the line. The time was irrelevant. It was the ability to actually complete a marathon. That was Chicago in 2000 with you. Okay. Um, so you mentioned uh, two others before. Yeah. Well, tell us the story of those, you know, your first particularly. Well, the first one was in 1979 as part of my uh, first year of university. The Rusden PE group decided they were going to run the Big M Melbourne Marathon, the second time it had ever been run, and, and I think the first was sort of like a, a, a celebration of oh wow, let's uh, and it excited the runners 
in the group with Rusden and let's do it as a year level. And I was one of the few that couldn't complete it. It just injured myself training, overtraining, um, ITB soreness, tried the cortisone injections in the knee, um, just despite the fact I came from a family of runners, hadn't really been able to overcome this injury and got started but could not finish and had to get pick up, picked up by the mother sad wagon at um, probably about the 27-28k mark. Um, both my brother and my father were running and completed and the rest of the year level pretty much completed so I just felt my body wasn't suited ever to running a marathon. So probably the lesson there is that for uh, a lot of people, well not a lot of people, but for some people starting out doing their first long running, uh, things don't work out. It could be that you know, maybe they haven't trained uh, as well as they could, maybe they just you don't know what you don't know, mm. or, or I think more so is the case here that sometimes you know young legs, uh, young muscles, um, muscles and legs that haven't done a lot of running, they're more prone to injury potentially. They're less strong, uh, their endurance isn't there, and so it, rather than saying oh you know I can't make it through the marathon, maybe it's you know I'm just not strong enough yet. I'm yeah. working on it, and so. Working on those, there's a lot more half marathons around today than there was back in your day. Um, you know, doing the tens and the halves and building up. So mm. just because you don't make it the first time doesn't mean you can't go on and run. No, and I was was 19, and yes. maybe that's the case of just being too young. The second one was the Los Angeles marathon that I entered. You were running um, in 1999, and I knew that I couldn't. I I was injured actually. I think I was actually injured and just walked. Part of it. But you, weren't, you weren't actually setting out to do the whole race. I wasn't race. setting out to do no, the whole so race. No, so it wasn't. Not really a fair. Yeah. Just again, that belief that I couldn't do it. Yep. So, you, I mean, your idea was to, to walk for a while and mm. then to see me out in the course and then meet me at yeah. the end. So I would hardly think. No, that's not really a failing, I yep. suppose. Okay, so we've run all, all bar one together. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the one that you did alone. Why, 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 I mean, this was the question that. A number of people asked on yeah, the weekend, why, why didn't we do? Why didn't we do the whole hundred together? Why did you do one separately? Well, it was just after my father died. It was Canberra, in um, and it it was something that fairly new in our running life together. You're frowning at me. Well, I'm not sure what Canberra had to do with it. Oh, it was just it was the race after he was. That's not when you ran alone. That was uh, Gold Coast in. Oh, that one. The, the sorry, line. yes, sorry, I was, yes. Don't know where you were there. Was yeah, I was off on a different side track. Um, the the one that, yes, that you didn't run, that I ran, that was different. With Gold Coast, it was, uh, you'd run Lake Placid a couple of weeks before. And we were back in those days of believing that you could only run one marathon every six months, maybe one or two a year, perhaps. And now we would have run it differently but back at that stage it was thought that we thought that oh gee it was too soon after that event for you that you wouldn't have been able to recover quickly enough to to run with me so we ended up I ran and you did the 10k with Shelley with our daughter coming through which was very memorable too I suppose so that was the story of how uh, there's one different number yes and I do remember that you had surgery on your throat about two or three days before that marathon and, and maybe it was questionable whether or not you should have <laughs> I should have done it yes but I had to, couldn't couldn't speak I was still sound it worked out well that 
that, that was another reason for us not doing it together because you didn't have me there to talk to the whole way. <laughs> no. You just had to be quiet and run. Yes, I had a little thing on my, a little notice on my bib saying something about uh, mute. Okay. <laughs> now, um, another interesting question that came up on the weekend was about people who sometimes stop during the race, not because they're injured, but they just, you know, I've had enough, I'm not going to finish. Um, have you ever not finished a marathon that you started? I'm going to say no. I don't. I cannot think of any occasion that we haven't been uh, able to. Other than your very first one. Other than my very first one. So it just shows that really um, it depends how much you want to finish as opposed to what your goal is. I suppose that's the difference with those people. Maybe they perceive that my goal is to run X time and I'm not going to run X time, so therefore I'm not going to finish. But ultimately you can get across the line. Okay. Um, now, let's talk about some of your favourites. So, Do you have a single favourite marathon? Um, well, I think, well, I enjoy aspects of every event that I do. It's very rare to come away from a run and go, oh, my gosh, that I just didn't. That was a horrible day out there. But I think the favourite one that sticks in my mind is Paris. Okay. Really enjoy Paris. And, uh, of course, I suppose Paris, you did it at your 40th and you did it at your 50th. Correct. And hopefully get back there Maybe again. there for the 60th. <laughs> 60, but, but maybe before that. Okay. Well, can you remember what would be your toughest marathon? I remember at the time thinking that the Swiss Alpine Marathon in Davos was the toughest, meaning the toughest terrain that took the most energy to actually try and, and get around the course. It was also the first trail marathon that we'd ever done, or first trail run, full stop. And I think it was just a revelation of, wow, this is hard on the muscles. This is much more difficult underfoot with the terrain. And we were just in road shoes. Uh, all of that had no idea the expectation. So I'd say that's been tough because it was just unexpected, untrained. Okay, um, most fun. Look at... I had to think about this one and I put down London again because of the fancy dress costumes and characters and you don't go out there for a PB or we weren't out there for running fast but just enjoying the festival atmosphere of the event okay best vacation I've got Honolulu down because you finish on the beach at Caplioni Park and it is just fun okay uh, marathon with sort of the the sort of a history or character or something of, of that kind of destination. Yeah, look, I've put down Comrades and in a way that it, it's called the Comrades Marathon, but it is an ultra running okay. event, but I've said that. So have you got one that's actually a marathon? Um, I did feel a sense of flight or being at Boston, yep. surrounded by some of the things that you'd heard about and had stuff of legends, Heartbreak Hill, all of that sort of stuff. But, but I suppose that, that when you do a Comrades, the Boston history difficulty really fades into yes. it's just another race. Comrades does. I can I can see how you can say that supersedes that one. Yeah. Uh, the hottest one you've ever done? Now, yeah, I've put down Singapore because the year we ran it was the combination of the humidity and the sun okay. because the sun came out. So I'm going to say that's the hottest. So why uh, why marathons? You know, a lot of people run half marathons, others run 50Ks, 10Ks, all sorts of different distances. What's been the attraction with running so many marathons? 
I think it dates back to that first uh, failed attempt <laughs> at trying to run uh, run a marathon and being found wanting that hey if I work at this if I if there's a strategy in place I can prove that I can do it um, and getting away from the hustle and bustle of, of 10k where it's it's really uh, such intensity and pain to a different kind of intensity and pain but also an enjoyment I, I find I really like the going longer a little bit slower um, much more pleasurable okay so let's have a quick skim through the years 2000 you did Chicago and Honolulu now uh, you talked about Chicago it was your first anything yep. that stand out for that second Honolulu one um, your second marathon the, in yeah yep yeah, that the way that the heat hit us at uh, on the course that we'd gone out with it being a wonderful perfect temperature for running and then once the sun came up and hit us on our backs we were pouring water over ourselves and it was a real sense of accomplishment to get through it um, we thought oh we'll be better this one we've better trained we've done more running we know what we're up against and it, it was still a real surprise just the marathon comes back to kick you okay. when you think you've got it um, 2001 there was just the one marathon this was the, the 40th birthday in Paris yes and and that is an outstanding memory of um, just going past these landmarks and having the roads closed and the people cheering you and I think it was the landmarks okay out on the course. So 2002, uh, back to Canberra, Calgary Stampede, and again to Honolulu. Uh, any any thoughts on so Calgary? What was that like? Uh, Calgary was one of those occasions that a bit of a surprise in terms of didn't really know too much about the city, what was there, um, but a combination of going through the Stampede grounds and seeing all that was going on with the rodeo-like world that is the Calgary Stampede um, and the, the city itself. Very hospitable runners and, yeah, just something a little bit different. Noticed it was at an altitude too. I think that's the first time we'd ever noticed, whoa, this is hard to breathe here um, with our running. Okay, 2003, uh, number 789 was Canberra, Rock and Roll San Diego and back to Chicago. Uh, this is your first Rock and Roll marathon in San Diego. What do you, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I almost put that down as the most fun, surrounded by lots of Elvi. I believe that's the, the word to describe them. Rock and Roll uh, at that stage was one of the the early one of the only ones I think um, lots of Elvis costumed runners everywhere you just kept passing them and that rock and roll band every mile on the course so it, it was a fun atmosphere and really trying to encourage participation not so much looking at the clock okay um, 2004 Canberra San Francisco and Honolulu so let's pick the one that we haven't talked about San Francisco yeah San Francisco we um we had gone in with, this is one of the cities that we love to visit, that's a great place to go as a tourist, but it, then to run it is another revelation. And I think that's, it was the first of those places, well, Paris is the same about a tourist run, but it is exciting to run in a city, an event, that you visited as a tourist. Okay. Um, you know, 2006, sorry, 2005, Canberra, the Gold Coast, which we spoke about the Gold Coast yep. earlier, the one you ran alone, and Singapore. Now, um, running has been a very much a family affair for you, particularly when you started running marathons um, with 
with Anthony and Jelly, our kids coming along to many of their trips. Now, the Singapore Marathon was a celebration of Anthony's VCE, but um, was kind of a, a bit of a life-changing event for you and, and for him. And tell us a little bit about that one, how the sort of the, the love of running might, might well have uh, mm. been a, a major... I think a lot of parents will say that as their uh, teenagers get older, they get a little bit more private and it's often very difficult to spend a significant amount of time with them. You make the effort, you try, and it was on this trip that Anthony had uh, come along with us to celebrate his VCE. And we started to notice that when we were walking around, he was dragging a foot. When we'd have dinner, he'd knock things over at the table, couldn't carry a tray, and it became apparent something was really wrong with him. As we were landing after this trip to Singapore, coming back into Australia, he couldn't sign his name on the landing card. Very close to Christmas, and we rushed off to first of all the doctor and then straight away to hospital to get x-rays and within the space of a few days he was in um, Monash Medical Centre having operation for a brain tumour. Um, if we hadn't have gone on these family trips, if we hadn't have spent an extended period of time with him, we could have excused some of those symptoms as being tired, um, being bad posture, all sorts of things, um, maybe lazy, tired, whatever. Um, so it's just, just a revelation that you really do find out or can find out a lot about your kids spending time with them on holidays and it's a really valuable thing to do as long as you can. And happy prognosis, um, brain tumour successfully removed and no further sign of that and it's 10 years ago now. Okay, 2006, uh, Boston, Big Sur, New York and Honolulu. Um, Boston and Big Sur a week apart. First time you did that. What First was time we did that. What was, yeah. What was, your, what was your, And at that time, I suppose it was uh, a bit unaware of what was to come in terms of your frequency of running marathons. But how did you go about running two close together for the first time? What strategy did you use? We used the Jeff Galloway Run Walk strategy, and we were lucky enough at Big Sur to uh, listen to one of Jeff's. Uh, workshops or attend one of Jeff's workshops where he went into even further detail about how to do this successfully and whether it's choosing whatever number of minutes running to your walking ratio and we decided well if we were ever going to do it this was a really good time to put it in place because literally these events were a week apart and we'd never done that before and very successfully used it to the state that there wasn't a great deal of difference in times between our Boston and our Big Sur times. Big Sur was actually to an amazing event with the hills. And yep. Okay, 2007, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, the first time they ran the marathon, uh, that event, Robin Hood in um, Nottingham in the UK, Melbourne and Honolulu. Now, Georgia, Atlanta was... Yeah. Uh, that was one of my toughest, I think I almost put that down as one of my toughest personal ones to get through. Um, I'd flown over to meet you in Georgia um, from Australia and I'd arrived knowing that I was unwell, that I was coming down with the flu, not really any idea of how bad it was going to be, but knowing that I was unwell. One of those situations that I ran um, and probably shouldn't have and 
it was the first time they'd had the event. They were down on volunteers where they said there were going to be aid stations and water. There wasn't on a few occasions. Very humid, quite warm temperatures and feeling unwell. I ended up in the medical tent on the stretcher on the ground. Crossed the line, but just as a safeguard, and I will say this is a safeguard, if you do feel unwell at the end of an event, it's better getting yourself checked out at the event than trying to leave the venue and collapsing on the way. Okay, 2008, which was a big year. Um, mm. Disney World, Rio de Janeiro, Calgary, Missoula, Pattaya, Swiss Alps, Townsville, and Honolulu. Um, now, this was the year that you ended up uh, writing the book, a uh, couple on the run, eight marathons, eight countries, eight weeks. Now, of course, Comrades uh, and the um, Mauritius were part of the eight marathons, eight countries, eight weeks, but but don't make the don't make the cut. strict list of uh, 42.2 registered events. Um, what's your memory of eight marathons, eight countries, eight weeks? Uh, a discovery about what the body can do, um, where you think. That something for for us, this was a, a really big revelation that you really can back up marathons by taking a, a considered and measured approach and making sure that you do take care of yourself with recovery afterwards. But an unbelievably wonderful experience to share with a friend, um, in my case, with you, as we travelled around. Yep. That uh, great. It would be I think it would be very challenging to do that on your own and so much better are uh, just the joys of running as a couple okay so 2009 Hobart Vienna and London uh, now a bit of a story here I suppose when we talk about that we've run 99 of your hundred together the, the, the answer probably is we've actually run 98 and a half because something went horribly wrong it's the only time it's ever happened in Vienna yes we um, lost each other in the crowd. No, you lost me. Yep, I lost you. <laughs> I lost you in the crowd. And it, it was annoying because we'd sort of worked out strategies. If you do get separated in the crowd or, you you know, you lose each other, wait at the drinks, at the next drink station on the left if it's, you know, possible, if that's where the drink stations are, but wait at the next drink station. And one of those things that somehow seconds become minutes in your mind minutes become almost a half an hour in your mind when really it's probably only been a very small elapsed time and I thought I'd lost you well I had lost you and I just couldn't find you and you're quite tall you do stand out in the crowd but this was sort of a crowd of 20,000 runners surging along a fairly narrow road and just felt like I didn't know what to do and you panic. I think that was one of the um, situations that I just panicked and thought, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Kept looking, wasn't sure whether you were in front or behind me, um, wasn't sure whether I should wait. So you feel like seconds are ticking away, um, minutes are ticking away when they're probably not. So a bit of a, a disaster, that one. Yes, I remember um, we were doing Comrades that year uh, and I spent most of the second half of the Vienna Marathon running backwards up and down looking for you so I didn't have a Garmin on me in those days but I reckon I would have done a good 50 or 55 kilometres so it was a good workout for the comrades and I think the lesson that we got that day was if your mission is to run with somebody then you know we, we've since then it's never happened to us again but we've adopted the view that at the very next aid station 
you wait and you stop at the start of that aid station so the other person can find you and you just wait there and you recognise that time loses dimensions and so mm. uh, whether it it'll might seem like half an hour but it'll only be a minute or two you just wait at that spot if you want to join up again or you just go your own way yeah, but you yeah, have a it. have a plan mm. up front okay so interestingly here to, over a 10 year period you're up to that London in there was number 34 so 10 years for 34 marathons and now from 2010 until early now we're in April 2015 you've gone from well you've done basically 65 so um, to finish it off, 30, 30, 66, the, the tongue tied there to finish it off. So that um, training for the comrades, learning that you could do back-to-backs and then sort of a focus on the comrades again the year after, sort of things unlaunched in 2010. So just quickly, 2010 was Rock and Roll Arizona, Miami uh, Mountain to Surf in New Zealand, Rotorua in New Zealand, Sri Samoy, Williamstown in Australia, Taralgon, Victoria, Australia, Gold Coast, Queensland, Townsville, Queensland, Adelaide, South Australia, Shepparton in Victoria, Ross Marathon in Tasmania, Sydney, New South Wales, St George in uh, Utah, Chicago, back in Illinois, Venice, Athens and New York. So it was a big year for running. I want to ask you the one that, that uh, jumps, well, we could talk about all of them, but Athens was the 2,500th running. What strikes you about that uh, marathon, I suppose, that, you know, where it all began? Yes, it was a sense of where it all began. Um, and I did find it quite emotional to be at marathon for the start and then running into Athens. But the course left a lot to be desired. It was pretty hilly, it was hot. It was um, pretty, oh, I don't know, through urban areas, not sort of a couple of attractive scenes, but the finish was the most memorable and stunning part of the Athens to come into the Panathenaic Stadium where they held the 1896 Olympics, just a horseshoe-shaped venue with the old marble stands and statuary, and you really did get quite emotional coming into that finish, Best one of the best finishing, running around that track and into the finish shoot. Okay, 2011, the Lost Dutchman in uh, Arizona in the US, Paris, back for your 50th birthday, uh, London, Gold Coast, M7 Cities Marathon in Sydney, Townsville, City to Surf uh, in, in Perth, Ross Marathon, Sydney, Melbourne and New York. Um, tell us about the Lost Dutchman, that sounds kind of interesting. The Lost Dutchman in Arizona is one of those unusual races that is a combination of trail and road. So if you can't decide which one you like, the first half is in amongst the trails up uh, up in the hills and then you come into the urban finish on the roads. And a great way to have a race, but a really good, fun vibe out there. Uh, the legend of the Lost Dutchman mine and in amongst the old gold mining sort of prospecting feel up in the hills um, and then down into the town. Um, lots of fun. Lots okay, of fun. Uh, 2013, Canberra, Bali, Barossa, sorry, 2012, Canberra, Bali, Barossa, Taralgon, Gold Coast, Australian Outback, Townsville, Perth, a city to surf in Perth, uh, Ross and Sydney. Bali. First inaugural yes. marathon there, and you were helping promote that. What was it like to run in Bali? It was really fun running in Bali. Um, a great course in amongst the little villages, um, quite challenging, some hills, all of that sort of stuff. But 
just the way that the local villagers came out, dressed up for the occasion, all the school kids lining the roads with noisemakers, throwing petals. Um, it, it was just it was just so much fun. It was really great. Okay, uh, 2013, first ever Wangaratta, first ever Malaysia Women Marathon, Canberra, um, Phuket International as, as their guest and speaker, Taralgon, Gold Coast, Sandy Point, first and so far only, uh, one that was our closest to home and only made it through with one, uh, Sunshine Coast, Ross, Melbourne, and uh, again as a guest to Auckland, a big year of running. Um, tell us first of all, Malaysia Women Marathon, uh, Catherine Switzer was sort of the, the, uh, the, the star of the show and you were the support act in many ways mm-hmm. there, um, doing the partner running show and other things there. What was it like to be part of that? It was such joy to be part of this event. Um, we've been running lots of different marathons and it was just a revelation to be amongst women that were giving running a go and most of them or a lot of them had not really run before and had sort of tried to train up to participate in this event whether it was the shorter distances or the marathon that they were taking on the challenge and seeing women running in veils in the hijab um, being very excited about being out on the course and it sort of gave me back a little bit what it was to experience the joy of running, the freedom of running. And I felt, yeah, very privileged to be in the company of Catherine Switzer and hearing some of her stories and just full pat on the back for someone like Karen Lowe to be able to get this off the ground. Uh, so it did feel very special to be part of that adventure. Okay, 2014, um, Big Forest Run, Warburton, Australia, Brimbank Park, the first one, and we talked about that earlier, that was uh, in the second one was where you ran your 100th. Taralgon, again, the local favourite. Surf Coast Trail, a new event on the surf coast in Australia on the trail. Sunshine Coast, uh, Ross Marathon, Melbourne Marathon, Hamilton Marathon, Marysville Marathon, Run for the Young, and uh, the one I'm going to ask you about, you finished the year with a thing called the Rock Around the Clock at the Yu Yangs, and then you started 2015 an hour later with a Rock Around the Clock 2015. So you did two marathons inside of nine hours. Uh, what was that like? This is a great concept of finishing the year off, and some people would be happy with just finishing the year off with the celebration of I'm going to run a marathon. It's the very last one that's possible to run. But then to start the year as well with 2015 uh fireworks in the distance and celebrations of Happy New Year, off we go, let's start a run. Great idea in amongst friends and um, a trail event, but lots of lots and lots of fun. Um, having that little backup time to get changed, reassess yourself and get ready for the next race rather than running the continual distance to actually stop, get set and start the next marathon. Um, hope it's here again next year. Okay, um, 2015 continuing on into the Australia Day and the Yu Yangs, you've done Princess Park, Wangaratta, Dendi Park and of course then 100 at Brimbank Park. Mm. Now, um, it's 100 marathons. That is. We're not talking here about things like the Great Ocean Road, which is a 45k, there's a number of them 
mixed in the mix there. Uh, we're not talking about 100 kilometres of the surf coast centuries and great ocean walks, Hong Kong 100, there's a number of those. We're not talking about the Comrades Marathons, we're just talking about the 100. So uh, a mighty, a mighty, mighty achievement and it's been my pleasure to watch you in action throughout <laughs> all of that. Memorable moments. Must well, be a couple. Yeah, I think the first ever is is definitely a super, super memorable moment. Um, just that feeling of, my gosh, I can't believe I've done this. Um, it, you know, it it, it is a, a personal journey, a mental, physical journey to get through a marathon. And I think that's probably the most memorable. But it just when we were talking about some of those other events, very special in Bali, having all those villagers come out with noisemakers, the little kids, and high-fiving them all along the road. That's uh, something that does stick yep. in my mind. Now, I know you've, you've um, in recent years, made a bit of a thing of running with people in their first marathon, people that you've coached or helped along the way. Um, what's it like reliving that first marathon line when it's not you, it's not your first, but it's the person you're running next to? It's... Uh, you re-experience or you understand again or get a greater insight into some of the emotions that you felt when you ran your first marathon and that's where in some ways it's great to have someone beside you that is a mentor or who's at least done a marathon as the voice of reason because some of the things that go through your mind are quite ir ir irrational and no, don't worry about that. That's nothing to be concerned about. And little irritations start to overwhelm you, like your shoelaces coming undone. Oh, my gosh, you know, I can't possibly bend down to, to do it. Yes, you can. Take your time. Or I didn't get a drink at that drink station. I'm going to die of dehydration. No, you're not. We'll get to the next one. You know, just all those little things that you can panic with to have someone there to, to guide you and seeing it with other runners oh this hill's too big I can't I'm, that's it I, I don't think I can go on um, it, it does help to have a mentor okay you've done 100 plus all these other uh, non-marathons beyond the marathon what uh, what are the ones you'd still like to do do you have a marathon bucket list down on my list I suppose is countries that I I haven't run in that I'd like to experience running in and one of them is Japan um, which we're going to address that but in some ways the Tokyo Marathon intrigues me out of we've done a lot of the marathon majors we haven't done Berlin run Berlin or Tokyo but I think Tokyo has the greatest interest for me out of marathons that we haven't run yet. okay anything else um, I'm intrigued to see places that I haven't been to so in some ways I think about places in Australia that I, I haven't run or we haven't run together and you know whether that's somewhere like Broome whether it's somewhere like Kangaroo Island whether it's places that just we haven't been to okay um, so just back to the technicalities of marathon running uh, what do you, how, how do you prepare what are you think are a couple of things that are important about preparing for the marathon well in the few days leading up to an event um, whether it's back-to-back -back marathon or just whether it's a marathon, start to really be aware of the fact, hang on, it's 
Wednesday, Thursday before an event, I've got to back off the intensity of any other exercise or training that I'm doing. So that's tapering. And then also aware of the carbohydrate and the hydration start to get more focused on that in the last sort of four days or so leading up to the event. So that's sort of part of my preparation. And again, just making sure that there's no issues with um, clothing that I want to wear, that everything's ready to go and that, yeah, any maintenance issues like that with toenails, etc., are all taken care of. Okay. Um, now, in the main, you've uh, avoided injury. How do, you, how do you go about staying injury-free and, and running week in, week out? Well, I'm probably quite rare amongst a lot of runners in that I do a lot of stretching, and that's by yoga. Being a yoga instructor, um, I do do a lot of stretching and working on my mobility and flexibility. And I also don't run a huge amount of distance considering the amount of marathons we do Perhaps I don't overload my amount of running on concrete or hard surfaces too, run okay. on softer surfaces. Okay, so you, know, you, you have had a couple of injuries. I'm, I'm going to go <laughs> with three that I can really think of. The main was stress fracture, um, plantar fascia, and the hamstring off the bone. Although it wasn't in a marathon, it did Im impact you. So first of yeah. all, um, stress fracture. You've had two? I've had two. Yes, uh, both in the feet, uh, both in the same foot, um, which subsequently is a little bit of a painful issue. <sighs> you know, it happens and you think, well, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? What did I do wrong? Did I run too soon? Did I put too much stress, stress on a potential injury site by trying to do too much when I should have backed off? So you do beat yourself up about stress fractures. So during stress fractures, what did you do to train to keep as close to run fit as you could? A lot of indoor cycle, some water running as well. And I think that with any injury and with stress fractures in particular, you want to keep your body as fit and strong as you possibly can. So when the injury is healed, and it will heal, you're able to resume your level of running quicker than if you dropped your bundle and done nothing. So be active in your rehabilitation. Okay, now plantar fascia, and I think probably you know, observing you throughout this period, this is the one which caused the most grief and, oh, yeah. and was the hardest to deal with. It is because it's over such a prolonged period and anyone that suffered plantar fascia or plantar fasciitis will probably agree that it's not just six weeks, it can be six months It can and it can grow to the point that it affects your daily life, whether it's getting up each morning and trying to walk around, whether it's driving a car and then trying to walk any distances. It's with you pretty much all the time and it is incredibly painful and it just takes so long to get over. So how did you get over it? I ended up snapping the plantar fascia which uh, had three cortisone injections over a two-year period and uh, eventually the fibres just gave way. Okay. So the other one was, was a, um, wasn't done during a marathon but it was a innocent kind of a thing where you tore the hamstring off the bone. Uh, yeah. It was shattering at the time, but you seem to have recovered reasonably well. What was what happened there? Tripped on a, a rock, didn't even fall over, but just stubbed my toe on a rock and the hamstrings, one of the hamstrings semitendinosus. There are three 
hamstring muscles. This is one of the smaller ones, thank goodness. Just snapped off at the hip, clean snap. If it had been a debris snap, I would have needed an operation in some shape or form. But because it was clean, um, it was no running for 12 weeks. But again, a lot of indoor cycle. I could indoor cycle, keeping it strapped, immobile, and then gradually re-educating the muscle through specific physiotherapy exercises. Um, very nervous running trail again after that. Lost my nerve a bit. Okay. Now... You have been doing more and more ultra and a little bit less marathon or using your marathons to train for the ultras. What do you, what do you say to people about uh, the marathon and how it can help you or hinder you in your preparation for ultra running, whether it's 50, 100 or 100 mile? Mm-hmm. I think marathons do help ultra running in that it's uh, a distance event, that it, it is a long distance that you're in a race environment and case in point if you get to a certain amount of time out on a training run then you can back off and say oh look now I'm feeling a bit tired that'll that'll do the running a marathon actually makes you stay the distance over 42.2 it can also help you with your running technique and speed so even your ultra run most ultra runs are on trail uh, getting back onto the road and doing a road marathon can actually help your running style that you actually come back to running sustained periods of time whereas with ultra running in trail particular there's a lot of hiking and walking uphills so I think it can help you run smoother okay so any um, tips or what would you say to somebody who's thinking about running a marathon or has decided right I'm doing my first marathon the achievement of finishing your first marathon, whether it's you walk across the line, whether it goes wonderfully well for you, um, is going to be such a confidence booster for your ability to tackle other problems in your life that if you struggle along the way but you get to the finish, it's going to give you confidence to take on new challenges. And that even if... The, the ability to think laterally that if something goes wrong there's another strategy you can use but you'll ultimately get there uh, that just carries over into our daily lives and don't expect your first marathon to be a perfect wonderful running experience it might happen for some but if it doesn't go according to plan the first one don't just give up and say that you can't do it or that it's not for you but that there are other ways of doing things and it uh, can be a really, really, re- really rewarding running experience. Okay, um, what are you looking forward to on the marathon running front with the 100 sort of out of the way? Sort of like a, a batsman in cricket, I suppose, the 100's done, so you then kind of almost look fresh to the future. So what's on the agenda? On the immediate front, I'm looking forward to running my 100th marathon side-by-side side with my running partner as a celebration of we've done it together and an acknowledgement of what we've been able to achieve together and how we've helped each other through some difficult runs. So that's the immediate uh, running front. Um, what am I looking forward to on the, the actual marathon running front? Discovering new places and sharing the journey. So it seems to me that the the numbers is kind of almost numbers irrelevant. Numbers become irrelevant. Irrelevant. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's the 
it really is the journey or the places you go and the way that running a marathon helps you prepare for the sort of various ultra and other running adventures. Exactly. Um, and that each one has some element of enjoyment to it. Even if you have a tough day out, uh, speaking to a lot of runners, they say quite often they don't enjoy the run at the time, but when they finish and they look back, it's been such a wonderful journey through the event. So to, to enjoy both at the t- same time and afterwards is what we always aim to do. I suppose that shows because um, when it's no secret that a lot of the marathons that we run, um, the reasons we choose them are to, to help race directors promote the events and promote those things. And, and most of the time you're running along um, with the backdrop and the scenery while I'm there with you know in, in front or behind you capturing the photo and, and people always comment about oh there's Sue smiling again so look you, you look like you genuinely do enjoy the run and enjoy the various locations you get to exactly and that's what we all should do as running is to just appreciate that we're out there that we're able to able to run for a start and just enjoy our achievements whatever they are Okay, so on the Partner Running Show today, uh, it's been my uh, privilege and enjoyment and I've really enjoyed uh, this conversation interviewing uh, my wonderful co-host Sue about her 100th marathon at Brimbank Park. So Sue will give you the uh, the guest of honour for the day. You will give you the final word in terms of uh, reaching the 100 marathons and anything anything else you'd like to say. Apart from the personal journey of taking on marathon running, I do think there is a wonderful community of runners out there and that's been one of the highlights for me over the last 15 years or so of of running these events is the fabulous people that you meet out on the course and around the events, whether it's race directors, whether it's other participants that you chat to before events that you might see briefly out on the course that you spend time with afterwards, whether it's people that you just randomly chat with as you're running, you never actually find out their names or anything more about them other than you spend a little bit of time during the event. And I just love the sense of community that evolves from participating in these sort of events. You're listening to The Partner Running Show with your hosts, Couple on the Run, Sue and Andrew O'Brien. Proudly brought to you by PartnerRunning.com and The Partner Runner magazine. The road ahead. Join us as we take a quick peek at a few of next weekend's running events. Well, on the marathon front, after the big London of last week, a little bit quieter in terms of big events but unbeknownst to me I think it's some sort of public holiday in Europe on Friday as May 1 sort of the um, traditional starting of spring but anyway Great Wall of China Marathon there's the Wally Haywood Marathon in South Africa and a couple of marathons in Italy and France and they are all on the Friday but then we go on to Saturday and we've got the Brookings Marathon, the Falcon 50 in Colorado, Tacoma City in the USA, um, Hardmore's 26.2 in the UK, we've got the Labour of Love in Lowell Canyon, Rotorua Marathon is on, the New River in North Carolina, P1 
Pandora's Box of Rocks, which is an interesting name for a race. Provo City in Utah. The T42 Trail in New Zealand. Shiprock in New Mexico. Vandra in Estonia. Whiskey Row in Arizona. The Wild Wild West in California. Colorado, the Bay Run Marathon in Ireland. Vancouver, which is quite a big race in Canada. We've got the Flying Pig in Cincinnati, which is probably the big race in the US. Um, Geneva Marathon in Switzerland. The Great Limerick Run in Ireland. Long Island Marathon. The OC Marathon in California. Pittsburgh Marathon. Salzburg Marathon. The Avenue of the Giants in California. Toronto Marathon. Prague Marathon. Belfast. Closer to home, some big events, not necessarily marathons. Wilson's Prom Run is on this weekend with distances. Uh, the lot, longest one is 100 kilometres, down to the shortest one, I think 44, might be correct. Yep. Then Mount Me Classic Marathon. The Wings for Life World Run is on, um, on Sunday night in our part of the world. The Electric Run is on at Flemington. The Hamilton Island Hilly Half is on this weekend and another one um, the Puffing Billy Great Train Run 13.5 kilometres where runners try to beat the train in Victoria well that's end of another episode of the Partnering Show one that I've uh, one of my favourite uh, episodes and with no disrespect to everyone else we interviewed uh, my favourite interview ever and uh, we'll see you next week on the Partnering Show thanks for tuning in folks and uh, well done Sue again on reaching 100 uh, fourth Australian woman to make that journey. We'll see you next week on The Partner Running Show. You're listening to The Partner Running Show with your hosts, Couple on the Run, Sue and Andrew O'Brien. Proudly brought to you by PartnerRunning.com and The Partner Runner Magazine. not every day that somebody runs their 100th marathon and when we say 100th marathon we're talking specifically about uh, those marathons which I think meet the sort of uh, widely accepted criteria of uh, being open to the public having I think it's three or five or ten or more uh, participants um, being 42.19 or whatever the exact measurement is there or thereabouts so not 43 or 44 or 45, not an ultra marathon, but a specific marathon. So yes, not not every day that somebody runs 100 of those. And we're very lucky that uh, my beautiful co-host Sue ran your 100th marathon at the Brimbank Brimbank Park Marathon uh, a couple of days ago. And so we thought we might I might actually interview you about your journey towards 100. So there you go. There you go. So first of all, just just to start us off, um, tell us about your 100th marathon. Oh, look, a lot of... What happened? What happened? A lot of fun. (laughs) It was at the Brimbank Park Running Festival, which is, I suppose you'd say, in Keelor in um, Victoria, in Australia. Not one of the largest marathons in Australia. Not one of the smallest either. There were quite a few participants there. And as part of a running festival, there was a 50-kilometre event as well and some shorter distances too. So, But in terms of the big picture of marathon events around Australia. It was a really intimate setting to do it and a very enjoyable run. And I think that 
there were quite a few other participants there that had run over 100 marathons and run their 100th marathon in amongst tens of thousands of other people and perhaps that they hadn't enjoyed it as much or maybe they had from a personal level but I couldn't have asked for a more enjoyable way to celebrate 100 than surrounded by friends and with a race director that acknowledged my achievement or our achievement running together uh, as opposed to getting lost in the crowd of thousands of other runners um, and I would really recommend anyone approaching their 100th marathon or a milestone marathon to do it amongst friends in an intimate atmosphere. Yes, I think making it, making it, well, working out what's going to be special for you is, is certainly important. And, and so Brett, uh, Brett Saxon and Trails Plus just did a, uh, I think they were genuinely thrilled that it's not every day that somebody runs 100 and certainly not every day that somebody runs 100 marathons at one of their events. So they kind of did go out of their way to get people involved and make it a memorable, memorable day um, a bit of a celebration of running, um, recognising your achievement, but running in general. So it had a great feel to it. So yep. just, just quickly before we get on with it, what were, uh, from go to woe, I suppose, what are the things that, that uh, Brett and, and his team did to help you celebrate the 100? I had a, my father played football for the Essendon Football Club, which whose colours were red and black. So the theme was kind of red and black, which is somewhat appropriate for the weekend as well. It's Anzac weekend, which is traditionally a football match as well as the recognition of the service men and women um, between two football teams and one of them being Essendon. So there was a little bit of Essendon vibe happening. So red and black banner to run through as the footballers would at the start of the match. And then at the finish of the match, a, a banner, or finish of the run, a banner to run through at the finish with the recognition of the, the 100 marathons but also a cartoon picture of my father who was captain of that football club to come through in red and black theme. Uh, we also had a wonderful cake, beautiful chocolate mud cake with 100 marathon celebration, a plaque outlining each of the 100, each of the marathons up to 100 and then uh, unbelievably a generous gift from Garmin of a, a Garmin Phoenix 2 yep. GPS watch. And probably worth noting that the uh, Brimbank Park is actually one of the areas that we sort of ran through. It was, was kind of set very close to Essendon, so it, it, it really did fit with the whole thing. It was, it was kind of a nice connection for you. Yes, oh, very emotional. And as I said, particularly when you are a guest at a surprise party and you really have no idea this is coming. Um, so many friends from the running community, some come from Wollongong, from Adelaide, um, just, yeah. And of course, uh, you had the bib which said 100th. I did. Which was very In red nice. and black, yes, like a little uh, Essendon football guernsey. And uh, I think the other thing which I noticed was the number of runners who celebrated you know, they get the lining up and cheering you off at the start, but also along the course, lots of acknowledgement and, you know, well done, Sue, and congratulations and that sort of thing. And then, of course, people lining up to see you cross the line at the end. So yeah. it was great. Lots of comments about uh, you, how, how well you spoke. People enjoyed your speech, uh, which was which, which was nice. And um, we had a couple of uh, new friends from, from Italy who were out here as tourists, so we didn't realise we offered to give them a lift because they didn't have a car, and, and they got to enjoy the day as well so it was, it was very all round it, it was a, a wonderful day, day. yes okay was. so that, that's that's the uh, the doing of the hundred but there's uh, a lot more to do I suppose the last thing to say I suppose is because a few people had asked uh, they gave me a bit which said 99th 
Uh, and the context of the 99 was 99 with you uh, as opposed to 99 full stop. So, yes, so we should know. acknowledge that you've already passed 100 yeah, miles, Tom. I, I wasn't, but... wasn't uh, particularly interested in my 100, but uh, that was for you. So we've done 99 together. So our next, our next marathon together will be our 100th marathon together. And, of course, yes. last year we did... Uh, we went through the 100 barrier for marathons and ultras, ultras. which was kind of special. Yeah. But this is specifically marathons. So now before we get on and talk about your, your 100 marathons, um, you are regularly on the Partner Running Show put our guests through <laughs> Partner Running Dash. So today it's, your chickens have come home to roost, as they say, Ooh. and it's your turn. You are in the starting line for the Partner Running Dash. Are you ready? I'm ready. I hope I am because I've, I've never You've never done this. <laughs> okay. First question. Pre-run snack. Toast and banana. Preferred exercise drink? Any electrolyte drink. Favourite running shoes? Asics Keanos. Favourite running socks? In Gingy. Shorts or tights? Shorts. Cap or not? Cap. How long have you been running? All my life. Watch apps or naked? Ooh, about to become uh, apps. I prefer you naked. Oh. <laughs> um, GPS or heart rate monitor? Well, about to become GPS. Training diary or not? No. Favourite event? Oh, comrades. Favourite run training activity? Long, slow. Prefer alone or with a partner? With a partner. Music or silent? Silent. Longest run? 300 kilometres. How many times do you run per week? Three to four. What is your favourite cross-training activity? Indoor cycle. Not horizontal jogging? No. <laughs> do you acknowledge other runners? Uh, try to. Next event? <laughs> I had to think, don't know. Next event. Help. <laughs> End of May. Oh, co oh, comrades. Sorry, I was thinking of the 100th marathon. Running goal. Uh, get through Mount Fuji, Ultra Trail Mount Fuji. Do you Facebook, tweet or blog your running? Facebook. Why do you run? Sense of personal satisfaction. Love it. Favourite running song? Haven't got one. Favourite running book? Couple on the run. Post-run treat? Ginger beer and potato crisps. Run inspiration? My gorgeous partner, Andrew. What a nice answer. <laughs> okay, well, what do we to say? Sue, thank you very much for doing the partner running I can't dash. believe I forgot my next event. I was just, <laughs> I was trying to think whether it was Great Ocean Road Marathon, whether it was, you know, what we were doing. We were a bit undecided, but the next big event is Comrades. That's your excuse, and you are sticking to I'm it. I'm sticking to it. Okay, let's go back to your um, journey to 100 marathons. Uh, yep. When did you complete your first marathon? Tell us the story of that one. Oh, complete is the word. Um, in October in 2000, um, it was the first marathon that I completed and um, it sort of tied into the fact that I'd participated in two marathons prior to that and not completed either. It was a sense of uh, just... I couldn't believe I was actually going to cross the line and get across the line. The time was irrelevant. It was the ability to actually complete a marathon. That was Chicago in 2000 with you. Okay. Um, so you mentioned uh, two others before. Yeah. Well, tell us the story of those, you know, your first particularly. Well, the first one was in 1979 as part of my uh, first year of university. The Rusden PE group decided they were going to run the Big M Melbourne Marathon, the second time it had ever been run, and, and I think the first was sort of like a, a, a celebration of, oh wow, let's uh, 
and it excited the runners in the group of Rusden and let's do it as a year level and I was one of the few that couldn't complete it it just injured myself training overtraining um, ITB soreness tried the cortisone injections in the knee um, just despite the fact I came from a family of runners hadn't really been able to overcome this injury and got started but could not finish and had to get pick up, picked up by the mother sad wagon at um, probably about the 27-28k mark. Um, both my brother and my father were running and completed and the rest of the year level pretty much completed so I just felt my body wasn't suited ever to running a marathon. So probably the lesson there is that for uh, a lot of people, well not a lot of people, but for some people starting out doing their first long running, uh, things don't work out. It could be that you know, maybe they haven't trained uh, as well as they could, maybe they just you don't know what you don't know, mm. or, or I think more so is the case here that sometimes you know young legs, uh, young muscles, um, muscles and legs that haven't done a lot of running, they're more prone to injury potentially. They're less strong, uh, their endurance isn't there, and so it, rather than saying, oh, you know, I can't make it through the marathon, maybe it's you know I'm just not strong enough yet. I'm yeah. working on it, and so. Working on those, there's a lot more half marathons around today than there was back in your day. Um, you know, doing the tens and the halves and building up. So mm. just because you don't make it the first time doesn't mean you can't go on and run. No, and I was was 19, and yes. maybe that's the case of just being too young. The second one was the Los Angeles Marathon that I entered. You were running um, in 1999, and I knew that I couldn't. I I was injured actually. I think I was actually injured and just walked. Part of it. But you weren't, you weren't actually setting out to do the whole I race. I wasn't setting out to do no, the whole so race. No, so it wasn't. Not really a fair. Yeah. Just again, that belief that I couldn't do it. Yep. So, you, I mean, your idea was to, to walk for a while and mm. then to see me out in the course and then meet me at yeah. the end. So I would hardly think. No, that's not really a failing, I yep. suppose. Okay, so we've run all, all bar one together. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the one that you did alone. Why, 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 I mean, this was the question that. A number of people asked on yeah, the weekend, why, why didn't we do? Why didn't we do the whole hundred together? Why did you do one separately? The the one that yes, that you didn't run that I ran that was different with Gold Coast. It was uh, you'd run Lake Placid a couple of weeks before, and we were back in those days of believing that you could only run one marathon every six months, maybe one or two a year, perhaps, and. Now we would have run it differently, but back at that stage, it was thought that we thought that oh gee, it was too soon after that event for you that you wouldn't have been able to recover quickly enough to to run with me. So we ended up I ran and you did the 10k with Shelley yes. with our daughter coming through, which was very memorable too, I suppose. So that was the story of how uh, there's one different number. Yes, and I do remember that you had surgery on your throat about two or three days before that marathon, and, and maybe. It was questionable whether or not you should have <laughs> I should have done it, yes. But, but uh, couldn't couldn't speak. I was still sound. It worked out well. That, we, that, that was another reason for us not doing it together because you didn't have me there to talk to the whole way. <laughs> no. so you just had to be quiet and run. Yes, I had a little thing <laughs> on my, a little notice on my bib saying something about uh, mute. Okay. <laughs> now, um, another interesting question that came up on the weekend was about people who sometimes stop during the race, not because they're injured, but they just, you know, I've had enough, I'm not going to finish. Um, have you ever not finished a marathon that you started? I'm going to say no. 
I don't. I cannot think of any occasion that we haven't been uh, able to. Other than your very first one. Other than my very first one. So it just shows that really, um, it depends how much you want to finish, as opposed to what your goal is. I suppose that's the difference with those people. Maybe they perceive that my goal is to run X time, and I'm not going to run X time, so therefore I'm not going to finish. But ultimately, you can get across the line. Okay. Um, now, let's talk about some of your favourites. So, do you have a single favourite marathon? Um, well, I think. Well, I enjoy aspects of every event that I do. It's very rare to come away from a run and go, "Oh my gosh, that I just didn't." That was a horrible day out there. But I think the favourite one that sticks in my mind is Paris. Really enjoy Paris. And uh, because I suppose Paris, you did it at your 40th and you did it at your 50th. Correct. And hopefully get back there Maybe again. there for the 60. Certainly <laughs> for 60, but, but maybe before that. Okay. Well, can you remember what would be your toughest marathon? I remember at the time thinking that the Swiss Alpine Marathon in Davos was the toughest, meaning the toughest terrain that took the most energy to actually try and, and get around the course. It's also the first trail marathon that we'd ever done, or first trail run, full stop. And I think it was just a revelation of, wow, this is hard on the muscles. This is much more difficult underfoot with the terrain. And we were just in road shoes. Uh, all of that had no idea the expectation. So I'd say that's been tough because it was just unexpected, untrained. Okay, um, most fun. Look at... I had to think about this one and I put down London again because of the fancy dress costumes and characters and you don't go out there for a PB or we weren't out there for running fast but just enjoying the festival atmosphere of the event okay best vacation I've got Honolulu down because you finish on the beach at Caplioni Park and it is just fun okay uh, marathon with sort of the the sort of a history or character or something of, of that kind of destination. Yeah, look, I've put down Comrades in, in a way that it, it's called the Comrades Marathon, but it is an ultra-running okay. event, but I've said that. So have you got one that's actually a marathon? Um, I did feel a sense of flight or being at Boston, yep. surrounded by some of the things that you'd heard about and had stuff of legends, Heartbreak Hill, all of that sort of stuff. But, but I suppose that, that when you do a Comrades, the Boston history difficulty really fades into yes. it's just another race. Comrades does. I can I can see how you can say that supersedes that one. Yeah. Uh, the hottest one you've ever done? Now, yeah, I've put down Singapore because the year we ran was the combination of the humidity and the sun okay. because the sun came out. So I'm going to say that's the hottest. So why uh, why marathons? You know, a lot of people run half marathons, others run 50Ks, 10Ks, all sorts of different distances. What's been the attraction with running so many marathons? I think it dates back to that first uh, failed attempt at trying to run uh, run a marathon and being found wanting that, hey, if I work at this, if, I, if there's a strategy in place, I can prove that I can do it. Um, and getting away from the hustle and bustle of, of 10k where it's it's really uh, such 
intensity and pain to a different kind of intensity and pain, but also an enjoyment. I, I find I really like the going longer, a little bit slower, um, much more pleasurable. Okay, so let's have a quick skim through the years. 2000, you did Chicago and Honolulu. Now, uh, you talked about Chicago, it was your first. Anything yep. that stand out for that second Honolulu one? Um, your second marathon the, in two Yeah, yep. That, the way that the heat hit us at uh, on the course, that we'd gone out with it being a wonderful, perfect temperature for running, and then once the sun came up and hit us on our backs, we were pouring water over ourselves, and it was a real sense of accomplishment to get through it. Um, we thought, oh, we'll be better this one. We're better trained. We've done more running. We know what we're up against. And it, it was still a real surprise. Just the marathon comes back to kick you okay. when you think you've got it. Um, 2001, there was just the one marathon. This was the, the 40th birthday in Paris. Yes, and and that is an outstanding memory of um, just going past these landmarks and having the roads closed and the people cheering you. And I think it was the landmarks okay. out on the course. So 2002, uh, back to Canberra, Calgary Stampede, and again, Honolulu. Uh, any Any thoughts on... So Calgary, what was that like? Uh, Calgary was one of those occasions that a bit of a surprise in terms of didn't really know too much about the city, what was there, um, but the combination of going through the stampede grounds and seeing all that was going on with the Rodeo-like world that is the Calgary Stampede um, and the, the city itself, very hospitable runners and... Yeah, just something a little bit different. Noticed it was at an altitude too. I think that's the first time we'd ever noticed, whoa, this is hard to breathe here um, with our running. Okay, 2003, uh, number 789 was Canberra, Rock and Roll San Diego and back to Chicago. Uh, this is your first Rock and Roll marathon in San Diego. What do you, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I almost put that down as the most fun, surrounded by lots of Elvi. I believe that's the, the word to describe them. Rock and Roll uh, at that stage was one of the the early one of the only ones I think um, lots of Elvis costumed runners everywhere you just kept passing them and that rock and roll band every mile on the course so it, it was a fun atmosphere and really trying to encourage participation not so much looking at the clock okay um, 2004 Canberra San Francisco and Honolulu so let's pick the one that we haven't talked about San Francisco yeah San Francisco we um we had gone in with, this is one of the cities that we love to visit, that's a great place to go as a tourist, but it, then to run it is another revelation. And I think that's, it was the first of those places, well, Paris is the same about a tourist run, but it is exciting to run in a city, an event that you visited as a tourist. Okay, um, now 2006, sorry, 2005, Canberra, the Gold Coast, which we spoke about the Gold Coast yep. earlier, the one you ran alone, and Singapore. Now, um, running has been a very much a family affair for you, particularly when you started running marathons um, with, with Anthony and Jelly, our kids coming along to many of their trips. Now, the Singapore Marathon was a celebration of Anthony's VCE, but um, was kind of a, a bit of a life-changing event for you and, and for him. And tell us a little bit about that one, how the sort of the, the love of running might, might well have uh, mm. been a, a major... I think a lot of parents will say that as their uh, teenagers get older, they get a little bit more private and it's 
often very difficult to spend a significant amount of time with them. You make the effort, you try, and it was on this trip that Anthony had uh, come along with us to celebrate his VCE. And we started to notice that when we were walking around, he was dragging a foot. When we'd have dinner, he'd knock things over at the table, couldn't carry a tray, and it became apparent something was really wrong with him. As we were landing after this trip to Singapore, coming back into Australia, he couldn't sign his name on the landing card. Very close to Christmas, and we rushed off to first of all the doctor and then straight away to hospital to get x-rays and within the space of a few days he was in um, Monash Medical Centre having operations for a brain tumour. Um, if we hadn't have gone on these family trips, if we hadn't have spent an extended period of time with him, we could have excused some of those symptoms as being tired, um, being bad posture, all sorts of things, um, maybe lazy, tired, whatever. Um, so it's just, just a revelation that you really do find out or can find out a lot about your kids spending time with them on holidays and it's a really valuable thing to do as long as you can. And happy prognosis, um, brain tumour successfully removed and no further sign of that and it's 10 years ago now. Okay, 2006, uh, Boston, Big Sur, New York and Honolulu. Um, Boston and Big Sur a week apart. First time you did that. What First was time your, we did that. What was, yeah. What was your, what was your, and at that time, I suppose it was uh, a bit unaware of what was to come in terms of your frequency of running marathons. But how did you go about running two close together for the first time? What strategy did you use? We used the Jeff Galloway Run Walk strategy, and we were lucky enough at Big Sur to uh, listen to one of Jeff's. Uh, workshops or attend one of Jeff's workshops where he went into even further detail about how to do this successfully and whether it's choosing whatever number of minutes running to your walking ratio and we decided well if we were ever going to do it this was a really good time to put it in place because literally these events were a week apart and we'd never done that before and very successfully used it to the state that there wasn't a great deal of difference in times between our Boston and our Big Sur times. Big Sur was actually to an amazing event with the hills and... Yep. Okay, 2007, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, the first time they ran the marathon, uh, that event, Robin Hood in um, Nottingham in the UK, Melbourne and Honolulu. Now, Georgia, Atlanta was... Yeah. Uh, that was one of my toughest, I think I almost put that down as one of my toughest personal ones to get through. Um, I'd flown over to meet you in Georgia um, from Australia and I'd arrived knowing that I was unwell, that I was coming down with the flu, not really any idea of how bad it was going to be, but knowing that I was unwell. One of those situations that I ran um, and probably shouldn't have and uh, it was the first time they'd had the event they were down on volunteers where they said there were going to be aid stations and water there wasn't on a few occasions very humid quite warm temperatures and feeling unwell I ended up in the medical tent on the stretcher on the ground crossed the line 
but just as a safeguard, and I will say this as a safeguard, if you do feel unwell at the end of an event, it's better getting yourself checked out at the event than trying to leave the venue and collapsing on the way. Okay, 2008, which was a big year. Um, mm. Disney World, Rio de Janeiro, Calgary, Missoula, Pattaya, Swiss Alps, Townsville, and Honolulu. Um, now, this was the year that you ended up uh, writing the book, uh, a couple on the run, eight marathons, eight countries, eight weeks. Now, of course, it's Comrades uh, and the um, Mauritius were part of the eight marathons, eight countries, eight weeks, but but don't make the don't make the cut. strict list of uh, 42.2 registered events. Um, what's your memory of eight marathons, eight countries, eight weeks? Uh, a discovery about what the body can do, um, where you think. That something for for us, this was a, a really big revelation that you really can back up marathons by taking a, a considered and measured approach and making sure that you do take care of yourself with recovery afterwards. But an unbelievably wonderful experience to share with a friend, um, in my case, with you, as we travelled around. Yep. That uh, great. It would be I think it would be very challenging to do that on your own and so much better are just the joys of running as a couple okay so 2009 Hobart Vienna and London uh, now a bit of a story here I suppose when we talk about that we've run 99 of your hundred together the, the, the answer probably is we've actually run 98 and a half because something went horribly wrong it's the only time it's ever happened in Vienna yes we um, lost each other in the crowd. No, you lost me. Yep, I lost you. <laughs> I lost you in the crowd. And it, it was annoying because we'd sort of worked out strategies. If you do get separated in the crowd or, you you know, you lose each other, wait at the drinks, at the next drink station on the left if it's, you know, possible, if that's where the drink stations are, but wait at the next drink station. And one of those things that somehow seconds become minutes in your mind minutes become almost a half an hour in your mind when really it's probably only been a very small elapsed time and I thought I'd lost you well I had lost you and I just couldn't find you and you're quite tall you do stand out in the crowd but this was sort of a crowd of 20,000 runners surging along a fairly narrow road and just felt like I didn't know what to do and you, you panic. I think that was one of the um, situations that I just panicked and thought, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Kept looking, wasn't sure whether you were in front or behind me, um, wasn't sure whether I should wait. So you feel like seconds are ticking away, um, minutes are ticking away when they're probably not. So a bit of a, a disaster, that one. Yes, I remember um, we were doing Comrades that year uh, and I spent most of the second half of the Vienna Marathon running backwards up and down looking for you so I didn't have a Garmin on me in those days but I reckon I would have done a good 50 or 55 kilometres so it was a good workout for the comrades and I think the lesson that we got that day was if your mission is to run with somebody then you know we, we've since then it's never happened to us again but we've adopted the view that at the very next aid station you wait 
and you stop at the start of that aid station so the other person can find you and you just wait there and you recognise that time loses dimensions and so mm. uh, whether it it'll might seem like half an hour but it'll only be a minute or two you just wait at that spot if you want to join up again or you just go your own way yeah, but you yeah, have, a, have a plan mm. up front okay so interestingly here to, over a 10 year period you're up to that London in there was number 34 so 10 years for 34 marathons and now from 2010 until early now we're in April 2015 you've gone from well you've done basically 65 so um, to finish it off 30, 30 66 the, the tongue tied there to finish it off so that um, training for the comrades learning that you could do back to backs and then sort of a focus on the comrades again the year after sort of things unlaunched in 2010 so just quickly 2010 was rock and roll Arizona Miami uh, mountain to surf in New Zealand Rotorua in New Zealand Sri Samoy Williamstown in Australia Taralgon Victoria Australia Gold Coast Queensland Townsville Queensland Adelaide South Australia Shepparton in Victoria Ross Marathon in Tasmania Sydney New South Wales St George in uh, Utah Chicago back in Illinois Venice Athens and New York so it was a big year for running I want to ask you the one that, that uh, jumps well, we could talk about all of them but Athens was the 2500th running what strikes you about the, that uh, marathon I suppose that you know, where it all began yes it was a sense of where it all began um, and I did find it quite emotional to be at marathon for the start and then running into Athens but the course left a lot to be desired it was pretty hilly it was hot it was um, pretty oh, I don't know through urban areas not sort of a couple of attractive scenes but the finish was the most memorable and stunning part of the Athens to come into the Panathenaic Stadium where they held the 1896 Olympics just a horseshoe shaped venue with the old marble stands and statuary and you really did get quite emotional coming into that finish best one of the best finishing running around that track and into the finish shoot Okay, 2011, The Lost Dutchman in uh, Arizona in the US, Paris, back for your 50th birthday, uh, London, Gold Coast, M7 Cities Marathon in Sydney, Townsville, City to Surf uh, in, in Perth, Ross Marathon, Sydney, Melbourne and New York. Um, tell us about The Lost Dutchman, that sounds kind of interesting. The Lost Dutchman in Arizona is one of those unusual races that is a combination of trail and road. So if you can't decide which one you like, the first half is in amongst the trails up uh, up in the hills and then you come into the urban finish on the roads. And a great way to have a race, but a really good, fun vibe out there. Uh, the legend of the Lost Dutchman mine and in amongst the old gold mining Sort of prospecting feel up in the hills um, and then down into the town. Um, lots of fun. Lots okay, of fun. Uh, 2013, Canberra, Bali, Barossa. Uh, sorry, 2012, Canberra, Bali, Barossa, Taralgon, Gold Coast, Australian Outback, Townsville, Perth, a uh, city to surf in Perth, uh, Ross, and Sydney. Bali. First inaugural yes. marathon there, and you helping promote that. What was it like to run in Bali? It was really fun running in Bali. Um, a great course in amongst the little villages, um, quite challenging, some hills, all of that sort of stuff. But just the way that the local villagers came out 
dressed up for the occasion, all the school kids lining the roads with noisemakers, throwing petals. Um, it, it was just it was just so much fun. It was really great. Okay, uh, 2013, first ever Wangaratta, first ever Malaysia Women Marathon, Canberra, um, Phuket International as, as their guest and speaker, Taralgon, Gold Coast, Sandy Point, first and so far only, only. Mm. Uh, one that was our closest to home and only made it through with one, uh, Sunshine Coast, Ross, Melbourne, and uh, again as a guest to Auckland, a big year of running. Um, tell us first of all, Malaysia Women Marathon, uh, Catherine Switzer was sort of the the, the the star of the show and you were the support act in many ways mm-hmm. there, um, doing the partner running show and other things there. What was it like to be part of that? It was such joy to be part of this event. Um, we've been running lots of different marathons and it was just a revelation to be amongst women that were giving running a go and most of them or a lot of them had not really run before and had sort of tried to train up to participate in this event, whether it was the shorter distances or the marathon that they were taking on the challenge. And seeing women running in veils in the hijab, um, being very excited about being out on the course and sort of gave me back a little bit what it was to experience the joy of running, the freedom of running. And I felt... Yeah, very privileged to be in the company of Catherine Switzer and hearing some of her stories and uh, just a full pat on the back for someone like Karen Lowe to be able to get this off the ground. Uh, so it did feel very special to be part of that adventure. Okay, 2014, um, big forest run, Warburton, Australia, Brimbank Park, the first one, and we talked about that earlier, that was uh, in the second one was where you ran your 100th. Taralgon, again, the local favourite. Surf Coast Trail, a new event on the surf coast in Australia on the trail. Sunshine Coast, uh, Ross Marathon, Melbourne Marathon, Hamilton Marathon, Marysville Marathon, Run for the Young. And uh, the one I'm going to ask you about, you finished the year with a thing called the Rock Around the Clock at the Yuyangs, and then you started 2015 an hour later with the Rock Around the Clock 2015. So you did two marathons inside of nine hours. Uh, what was that like? This is a great concept of finishing the year off and some people would be happy with just finishing the year off with the celebration of I'm going to run a marathon. It's the very last one it's possible to run. But then to start the year as well with 2015 uh, fireworks in the distance and celebrations of Happy New Year, off we go, let's start a run. Great idea in amongst friends and um, a trail event but lots of lots and lots of fun um, having that little backup time to get changed reassess yourself and get ready for the next race rather than running the continual distance to actually stop get set and start the next marathon um, hope it's here again next year okay um, 2015 continuing on into the Australia Day and the Yu Yangs you've done Princess Park Wangaratta Dendi Park and of course then 100 at Brimbank Park mm. now um it's 100 marathons. That is. We're not talking here about things like the Great Ocean Road, which is a 45k. There's a number of them mixed in the mix there. Uh, we're not talking about 100 kilometres, the Surf Coast Centuries and Great Ocean Walks, Hong Kong 100. There's a number of those. We're not talking about the Comrades Marathons. We're just talking about the 100. So uh, 
a mighty, a mighty, mighty achievement, and it's been my pleasure to watch you in action throughout <laughs> all of that. Memorable moments. Must well, be a couple. Yeah, I think the first ever is is definitely a super, super memorable moment. Um, just that feeling of, my gosh, I can't believe I've done this. Um, it, you know, it it, it is a, a personal journey, a mental, physical journey to get through a marathon. And I think that's probably the most memorable. But it just when we were talking about some of those other events, very special in Bali, having all those villagers come out with noisemakers, the little kids, and high-fiving them all along the road. That's uh, something that does stick yep. in my mind. Now, I know you've, you've um, in recent years, made a bit of a thing of running with people in their first marathon, people that you've coached or helped along the way. Um, what's it like reliving that first marathon line when it's not you, it's not your first, but it's the person you're running next to? It's... Uh, you re-experience or you understand again or get a greater insight into some of the emotions that you felt when you ran your first marathon. And that's where, in some ways, it's great to have someone beside you that is a mentor or who's at least done a marathon as the voice of reason. Because some of the things that go through your mind are quite ir- ir- irrational and no, don't worry about that. That's nothing to be concerned about. And little irritations start to overwhelm you, like your shoelaces coming undone. Oh, my gosh, you know, I can't possibly bend down to, to do it. Yes, you can. Take your time. Or I didn't get a drink at that drink station. I'm going to die of dehydration. No, you're not. We'll get to the next one. You know, just all those little things that you can panic with to have someone there to, to guide you and seeing it with other runners oh this hill's too big I can't um, that's it I, I don't think I can go on um, it, it does help to have a mentor okay you've done 100 plus all these other uh, non-marathons beyond the marathon what uh, what are the ones you'd still like to do do you have a marathon bucket list down on my list I suppose is countries that I I haven't run in that I'd like to experience running in and one of them is Japan um, which we're going to address that but in some ways the Tokyo Marathon intrigues me out of we've done a lot of the marathon majors we haven't done Berlin run Berlin or Tokyo but I think Tokyo has the greatest interest for me out of marathons that we haven't run okay anything else um I'm intrigued to see places that I haven't been to so in some ways I think about places in Australia that I I haven't run or we haven't run together and you know whether that's somewhere like Broome whether it's somewhere like Kangaroo Island whether it's places that just we haven't been to okay um so just back to the technicalities of marathon running what how how do you prepare what are you a couple of things that are important about preparing for the marathon well in the few days leading up to an event um, whether it's back-to-back marathon or just whether it's a marathon, start to really be aware of the fact, hang on, it's Wednesday, Thursday before an event. I've got to back off the intensity of any other exercise or training that I'm doing. So that's tapering. And then also aware of the carbohydrate and the hydration start to get more focused on that in the last sort of four days or so leading up to the event. 
So that's sort of part of my preparation. And again, just making sure that there's no issues with um, clothing that I want to wear, that everything's ready to go, and that, yeah, any maintenance issues like that with toenails, etc., are all taken care of. Okay. Um, now, in the main, you've uh, avoided injury. How do, you, how do you go about staying injury-free and, and running week in, week out? Well, I'm probably quite rare amongst a lot of runners in that I do a lot of stretching, and that's by yoga. Being a yoga instructor, um, I do do a lot of stretching and working on my mobility and flexibility. And I also don't run a huge amount of distance considering the amount of marathons we do Perhaps I don't overload my amount of running on concrete or hard surfaces too, and okay. on softer surfaces. Okay, so you know you, you have had a couple of injuries. I'm, I'm going to go <laughs> with three that I can really think of. Them. The main was stress fracture, um, plantar fascia, and the hamstring off the bone. Although it wasn't in a marathon, it did Im- impact you. So first of yeah. all, um, stress fracture. You've had two. I've had two. Yes, uh, both in the feet, uh, both in the same foot, um, which subsequently is a little bit of a painful issue. You know, it happens and you think, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? What did I do wrong? Did I run too soon? Did I put too much stress on a potential injury site by trying to do too much when I should have backed off? So you do beat yourself up about stress fractures. So during stress fractures, what did you do to train to as close to run fit as you could? A lot of indoor cycle, some water running as well. And I think that with any injury and with stress fractures in particular, you want to keep your body as fit and strong as you possibly can. So when the injury is healed, and it will heal, you're able to resume your level of running quicker than if you dropped your bundle and done nothing. So be active in your rehabilitation. Okay, now plantar fascia, and I think probably observing you throughout this period this is the one which caused the most grief and and was the hardest to deal with it is because it's over such a prolonged period and anyone that suffered plantar fascia or plantar fasciitis will probably agree that it's not just six weeks it can be six months it can and it can grow to the point that it affects your daily life whether it's getting up each morning and trying to walk around whether it's driving a car and then trying to walk any distances it's with you pretty much all the time and it is incredibly painful and it just takes so long to get over. So how did you get over it? I ended up snapping the plantar fascia which uh, had three cortisone injections over a two-year period and uh, eventually the fibres just gave way. Okay. So the other one was, was a, um, wasn't was done during a marathon but it was a innocent kind of a thing where you tore the hamstring off the bone. Uh, yeah. It was shattering at the time, but you seem to have recovered reasonably well. What was what happened there? Tripped on a, a rock, didn't even fall over, but just stubbed my toe on a rock and the hamstrings, one of the hamstrings semitendinosus. There are three hamstring muscles. This is one of the smaller ones, thank goodness. Just snapped off at the hip, clean snap. If it had been a debris snap, I would have needed an operation in some shape or form, but because it was clean, um, it was no running for 12 weeks, but again, a lot of indoor cycle, I could 
indoor cycle, keeping it strapped, immobile, and then gradually re-educating the muscle through specific physiotherapy exercises. Um, very nervous running trail again after that. Lost my nerve a bit. Okay. Now, you have been doing more and more ultra and a little bit less marathon or using your marathons to train for your ultras. What do you, what do you say to people about uh, the marathon and how it can help you or hinder you in your preparation for ultra running, whether it's 50, 100 or 100 mile? Mm-hmm. I think marathons do help ultra running in that it's uh, a distance event, that it, it is a long distance, that you're in a race environment and case in point, if you get to a certain amount of time out on a training run, then you can back off and say, oh, look, now I'm feeling a bit tired. That'll, that'll do. The running a marathon actually makes you stay the distance over 42.2. It can also help you with your running technique and speed. So even your ultra run, most ultra runs are on trail, uh, getting back onto the road and doing a road marathon can actually help your running style that you actually come back to running sustained periods of time whereas with ultra running in trail particular there's a lot of hiking and walking up hills so I think it can help you run smoother. Okay so any um, tips or what would you say to somebody who's thinking about running a marathon or has decided right I'm doing my first marathon? The achievement of finishing your first marathon, whether it's you walk across the line, whether it goes wonderfully well for you, um, is going to be such a confidence booster for your ability to tackle other problems in your life that if you struggle along the way but you get to the finish, it's going to give you confidence to take on new challenges and that even if... the ability to think laterally that if something goes wrong there's another strategy you can use but you'll ultimately get there uh, that just carries over into our daily lives and don't expect your first marathon to be a perfect wonderful running experience it might happen for some but if it doesn't go according to plan the first one don't just give up and say that you can't do it or that it's not for you but that there are other ways of doing things and it uh, can be a really, really, really rewarding running experience. Okay, um, what are you looking forward to on the marathon running front with the 100 sort of out of the way? Sort of like a a batsman in cricket, I suppose, the 100's done, so you then kind of almost look fresh to the future. So what's on the agenda? On the immediate front, I'm looking forward to running my 100th marathon side by side with my running partner as a celebration of we've done it together and an acknowledgement of what we've been able to achieve together and how we've helped each other through some difficult runs. So that's the immediate uh, running front. Um, What am I looking forward to on the the actual marathon running front? Discovering new places and sharing the journey. So it seems to me that the... The numbers is kind of almost numbers irrelevant. Numbers become irrelevant. irrelevant. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's the, it's really is the journey or the places you go and the way that running a marathon helps you prepare for the sort of various ultra and other running adventures. Exactly. Um, and that each one has some element of enjoyment to it. Even if you have a tough day out, uh, speaking to a lot of runners, they say quite often they don't enjoy 
the run at the time, but when they finish and they look back, it's been such a wonderful journey through the event. So to, to enjoy both at the t- same time and afterwards is what we always aim to do. I suppose that shows because um, when it's no secret that a lot of the marathons that we run... Um, the reasons we choose them are to, to help race directors promote the events and promote those things and, and most of the time you're running along um, with the backdrop and the scenery while I'm there with you know in front or behind you capturing the photo and, and people always comment about oh there's Sue smiling again so look you look like you generally do enjoy the run and enjoy the various locations you get to. Exactly and that's what we all should do as running is to just appreciate that we're out there that we're able to able to run for a start and just enjoy our achievements whatever they are okay so on the partner running show today uh, it's been my uh, privilege and enjoyment and i've really enjoyed uh, this conversation interviewing uh, my wonderful co-host sue about her 100th marathon at brimbank park so sue will give you the uh, you are the guest of honour for the day. You, I'll give you the final word in terms of uh, reaching the 100 marathons and anything else, anything else you'd like to say. Apart from the personal journey of taking on marathon running, I do think there is a wonderful community of runners out there and that's been one of the highlights for me over the last 15 years or so of of running these events is the fabulous people that you meet out on the course and around the events, whether it's race directors, whether it's other participants that you chat to before events that you might see briefly out on the course that you spend time with afterwards, whether it's people that you just randomly chat with as you're running, you never actually find out their names or anything more about them other than you spend a little bit of time during the event and I just love the sense of community that evolves from participating in these sort of events. You're listening to The Partner Running Show with your hosts, Couple on the Run, Sue and Andrew O'Brien. Proudly brought to you by PartnerRunning.com and The Partner Runner magazine. The road ahead. Join us as we take a quick peek at a few of next weekend's running events. Well, on the marathon front, after the big London of last week, a little bit quieter in terms of big events, but unbeknownst to me, I think it's some sort of public holiday in Europe on Friday as May 1, sort of the um, traditional starting of, of spring. But anyway, Great Wall of China Marathon. There's the Wally Haywood Marathon in South Africa and a couple of marathons in Italy and France and they are all on the Friday. But then we go on to Saturday and we've got the Brookings Marathon, the Falcon 50 in Colorado, Tacoma City in the USA, um, Hardmore's 26.2 in the UK. We've got the Labour of Love in Lowell Canyon. Rotorua Marathon is on. The New River in North Carolina. Pandora's Box of Rocks, which is an interesting name for a race. Provo City in Utah. The T42 Trail in New Zealand. Shiprock in New Mexico. Vandra in Estonia. Whiskey Row in Arizona. The Wild Wild West in California. Colorado. 
the Bay Run Marathon in Ireland, Vancouver, which is quite a big race in Canada. We've got the Flying Pig in Cincinnati, which is probably the big race in the US, um, Geneva Marathon in Switzerland, the Great Limerick Run in Ireland, Long Island Marathon, the OC Marathon in California, Pittsburgh Marathon, Salzburg Marathon, the Avenue of the Giants in California, Toronto Marathon, Prague Marathon, Belfast, closer to home, some big events, not necessarily marathons, Wilson's Prom Run is on this weekend with distances, uh, the longest one is 100 kilometres, down to the shortest one, I think 44, might be correct, then Mount Me Classic Marathon, the Wings for Life World Run is on, um, on Sunday night in our part of the world, the Electric Run is on at Flemington. The Hamilton Island Hilly Half is on this weekend. And another one, um, the Puffing Billy Great Train Run, 13.5 kilometres where runners try to beat the train in Victoria. Well, that's in of another episode of the Partnering Show, one that I've uh, one of my favourite uh, episodes, and with no disrespect to everyone else we interviewed, uh, my favourite interview ever. And uh, we'll see you next week on the Partnering Show. Thanks for tuning in, folks, and uh, well done, Sue, again on reaching 100 uh, fourth Australian woman to make that journey. We'll see you next week on the Partnering Show. You're listening to the Partner Running Show with your hosts, Couple on the Run, Sue and Andrew O'Brien, proudly brought to you by partnerrunning.com and the Partner Runner magazine.